Well, welcome to the first weekend of 2021. And wow, what a year 2020 has been. I think nobody in his wildest imaginations would have dreamt that 2020 would turn out the way it did, but it did. And we had to learn to roll with the punches. We had to learn to adapt. We had to learn to be creative. We had to learn how to, to have meetings online and have meetings on Zoom. And, uh, you know, and I, I just want to stand here today to say that, uh, that 2020 has been a good year for Cornerstone. I think we've emerged out of the whole uh, episode stronger than ever before. I think the church has become closer before. There's a greater vision and sense of clarity in our leadership. And I just want to give God the praise and thanks. I, I, I know that it's been a difficult year for many people. I know that some of you have gone through a very, very difficult time. But you know, I want you to lift up your heads and rejoice in the Lord. Uh, we are coming out of the season. I know that there are still quite a few months to go before we see more restrictions lifted up. But I want to encourage you. Uh, to, to be encouraged in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord because there is a finality uh, to these things. Amen. I want to begin uh, with prayer. Uh, so would you just uh, look to the Lord and uh, join me in prayer as we speak a blessing over the word today. Amen. Father, I thank you that you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. You've said it, you've spoken. Uh, you said it and you will do it, Lord. You've spoken and you will make it good. I thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven. And when you speak a word, God, it does not ever return void unto thee. Hallelujah. Thank you that your word has feeding qualities, Father. And I thank you that all the promises that we have been given as a people and individually, Lord, your word will come to pass, God. You will bring that word to pass, Lord. And I know that while some of these things have been delayed, Lord, your promises are yea and amen, Lord. And so I rejoice in you and I thank you for your mercy. And for your grace, and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to bring the word to today and anoint thy word and, and bless it, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. <clears throat> my subject today is uh, the great teacher called introspection. And my text is taken from the book of Proverbs, the 14th chapter and verse 8. And uh, it says that the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Now, if you scroll down to verse 15, uh, it says, The simple believe every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. Amen. Ancient Chinese proverb says, When you see a good man, emulate him. When you see a bad person, examine your own heart. Wow, that's so good, man. So good. Uh, Aristotle said, The unexamined life is not worth living. Now, one of the most important things in life, really, according to my Bible, is the pursuit and acquisition of wisdom, right? Wisdom is the principal thing. Right? The Bible says, in all thy getting, man, get wisdom, get understanding, right? Wisdom is the ability to live life skillfully. Wisdom is the ability to make the right choices in life, right? But understand that the wisdom of God is a multifaceted, multidimensional thing. In other words, every time you look at wisdom, there is far more than you don't see than you actually see, amen? And God's wisdom is not just confined to one aspect of life, it touches every single uh, aspect and every single facet of human existence, right? Uh, there, is, there is wisdom for every secular employment, every honorable secular employment, right? Uh, did you know that when the Holy Spirit first fell on uh, a person in the Old Testament, the first time it is mentioned in the Old Testament, uh, it, was a, it wasn't a preacher, it wasn't a prophet, it wasn't a priest. It was an artisan, a craftsman called Bezaleel, who was an artist, who was an artisan, a, 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 a craftsman with gold and silver and all kinds. 
but the Holy Spirit came and, and multiplied that wisdom uh, to him, and it was amazing, all right? And there is a wisdom for every aspect of life, and it's wonderful because, my friends, I, I want to encourage you. You can ask God for it, amen? Whatever secular employment you're in, you can ask God to multiply wisdom to you, amen? There is wisdom in how we relate to one another. There is wisdom in how we handle finances. There is wisdom for the arts, for media, for, for health care, for politics, hallelujah as well, and for family, right? Every aspect of life, amen. And there is wisdom about concerning science and the cosmos and heavens and how everything works and functions in God's amazing universe, Woo! amen. But one of the facets of wisdom, according to Proverbs 14 and verse 8, is for a man to understand his ways. Now listen very carefully. For a man to understand his ways, we call that introspection. And if you don't know what introspection is, then you need to take a long, hard look at yourself. Come on, amen. Now, the opposite of that, according to Proverbs 14, is to live deceitfully, all right? And deceit happens when we refuse to be real, when we refuse to be honest with ourselves, and that's called denial. That's called denial. We pretend the problem isn't there, and that is absolutely folly, all right? And, uh, and a person cannot draw near to God if there is duplicity in our lives, and if there is denial, very hard. It's not possible. It's not possible because you're approaching truth. Hallelujah. Amen. And you need to be free. Amen. And so introspection is the examination of one's spiritual, mental, and emotional state. Right? Now, you, when you drive your car along the highway, in front of you, there's a dashboard. And there are many indicators. Right? Those indicators are important and they signal and blink when something is wrong. With the car, is that right? And it's very important we play, uh, pay close attention, right? If the fuel gauge indicates that the car is out of fuel, then you need to stop, man. You need to stop at a patrol station or you're going to get into big trouble, right? And it's the same in life, man. You've got to keep your eyes on the, the, the spiritual and even the physical dashboards in your life, right? You need to ask yourself, why do I do what I do? Why do I behave the way I behave? Why do I... I, I act the way I do. Uh, what are the trigger points in my life? How do I overcome them? Why is this important? It's important because you're only as strong as you're honest. You're only as strong as you're honest, right? Which is why during the communion service, before we partake of the bread, uh, the pastor will ask the communicants to examine themselves. Paul said, let a man examine himself and so partake of the Lord's Supper. Why? It's designed to slow us down, man to take a good look at ourselves and to make adjust, adjustments if there are any. And any negative behavior has to be repented of and confessed. And especially when we are breaking bread with our brothers and sisters, man, we got to make sure that we're walking right with them. That's the whole atmosphere in which we break bread. It's a family thing, man. It has to be done with, a, with an honest heart. Hallelujah. Amen. So here's a piece of advice, all right? Take some time each day. Run through the events of the day in your mind and, uh, and ask yourself, why did, I, why, why did I say that? What made me do what I did? What, why did I behave the way I did? You know, and, and, and apologize if you have to. Get right with people. It's really an important part of our Christian journey. Uh, acknowledge your failings to the Holy Spirit uh, and ask Him and humble yourself. Ask Him to change you. What made me do what I did? What made me behave the way? And I'm telling you this, if you will do that, all right, you are on your way to acquiring something we call wisdom. Hallelujah. Wisdom. Amen. Now, the fact that we often react the way we do is because of our default mode behavior. That's what I like to call it. Uh, the Bible calls it the old man. Uh, 
And much about the teachings, you know, in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, has to do with learning the new ways of the kingdom, right? That ought, which ought to become our new default behavior. Amen? Jesus said, if you, you have said it of all, you have heard it said it was of all, that's the all default behavior, but I say unto you, new default, all right? All default, new default. So Jesus said, if someone slaps you on one cheek, what is the new default behavior? You turn the other cheek. Why? Because in turning the other cheek, something, I'm telling you this, I know this to be true, something breaks on the inside of you and something shifts and a real change takes place. And that's when the kingdom of God is manifested within you. If your default is to strike back the moment you are struck on the cheek, then the kingdom of God has not gone deep enough, right? You're not free yet, amen? Uh, if someone wants to take your shirt, give them your coat also, Jesus said. If someone curses you, <clears throat> you bless them, amen? You're happily driving down the highway, someone tailgates you, flashes the slide, horns at you, how do you respond? If you feel your blood boiling and anger rising, man, I, the kingdom of God has not gone deep enough. That old, that's the old nature, right? And it has to be dealt with, amen? And that's not the way we behave any longer. And by the way, by the way, uh, in Cornerstone, we have a code of behavior, all right? And it's uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount, all right? And I'm telling you this, we often go back to the Sermon on the Mount to see the standard. If there's a dispute between two parties, we go back to the Sermon on the Mount and see the standards that Jesus has set for us in this community, amen? Now, here's a very practical application of this, right? Uh, I, I think that this will help all of us. Um, when we get symptoms of the flu, what is the first thing that we normally do? We go to the medicine cabinet, pop a pill. Uh, why? Because that's our default. That's, uh, we do it so often without even thinking, right? I remember one day I had all the symptoms of the flu. And of course, my default behavior, go to the medicine cabinet. And then I felt a check in the spirit. This is many years ago. And it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And he says, how would you ever get a breakthrough in healing if you keep falling into your default mode. Come on, think about that, right? How are we ever going to develop those faith muscles? And you remember, faith is, is a muscle that needs to be developed if you keep going back to that medicine cabinet to get relief. So now I'm confronted with a challenge. Right? What do I do? Is there anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and they will pray with him and God will heal the sick, right? In fact, if you go over to James chapter 5 and Verses 13 to 15, you will find three more source codes that, uh, that needs to be reprogrammed into our circuit boards. <laughs> Come on. If you are suffering, the correct default is pray. Why? Not complain, not murmur, not sulk, but pray. Why? Because prayer gives you access to grace that enables you to bear that suffering. Come on, this is so good. If you are suffering, the default, the new default is pray. Pray. Stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Pray, hallelujah, because God releases grace when we pray, amen. When you're cheerful, sing, sing psalms, right? But when you are sick, the correct default is to call for the elders, not the doctors. Now, please hear me and hear me say this clearly. I love doctors, I'm not against doctors, and I'm not against medicine, amen. We have so many outstanding doctors in Coniston, come on. But if our default is to see a doctor the moment we fall sick, then I'm telling you, you will never get to the place where uh, your faith is built strong enough to believe God for the supernatural. Amen. Come on. This is really important, right? This year in 2021, God is about to do some extraordinary things. I believe this. I, there's so much optimism in my spirit 
about 2021, it's going to be a release of the power of God. And I believe that we must exercise that faith, man. We've got to be prepared for what God is going to do because God only uses the prepared. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, here's another one, really good one. All right, James chapter 1 and verses 2 to 4. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How are we to react when we fall into a trial or a contradiction, right? The Bible says, count it all joy. In other words, the moment you hit turbulence in your life, begin to sing, begin to rejoice. Why? Because the trial is going to do for you what all the money in the world cannot get by for you. Come on. Count it all joy. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance or endurance. Hallelujah. Now, the word count is uh, borrowed from the accounting uh, profession. It literally means to make a mental note of or to reckon on a ledger. Right. So this verse has nothing to do with our feelings, but it's everything to do with how we process how we think, and how we respond. That's really important, right? The one who counts or considers is not concerned with changing his external circumstances. He's concerned with changing his response, his attitude within, because he knows that is the key. Hallelujah. Amen. All the trials is to produce within us the new nature, the kingdom. Hallelujah. Which means that we really need to process differently at the trials that come along our way. And I think that 2020 was a perfect example. You know, I, I don't complain about 2020 at all. I'm telling you this. It, it, it took us by surprise. But I tell you this, many of us, those of us who understood what God was doing, have gone so much deeper in our walk with God, in our relationship with God. And we are touching the subterranean life of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's so important. It's done something for us that, that nothing else could do, man. This, this confinement, this, uh, this lockdown has been good for the church. I'm telling you, it's not been bad. Don't see it as something like, oh, I'm so glad that 2020 is over. Woo, good riddance. No, I'm telling you, God did something very, very significant in the lives of the people that were being prepared for these last days. Hallelujah. Now, when contradiction comes our way, God is seeking to do something, uh, to develop something in our, in our lives that can only be developed when we are under pressure. Oh man, I, I feel God saying something to some of you here watching this right now because some of you are under pressure and that pressure uh, is something that is necessary to produce something in your life. These trials are helping you to build a reserve for the last days. Come on, amen. Now what is the thing that we need to reckon? This is what the James is saying. That when trouble strikes, regardless of what it is, we need to see it as a thing of joy. Let this sink into you for a few moments, right? Every time you fall and hit turbulence, stop and think, right? Because, and count it joy because God is doing something, all right? The Philip translation says, my friends, when trouble enters your heart, do not resist it as an enemy, but welcome it as a friend. Woo! Come on. Come on. Now, we all have numerous columns in our minds. I do. <clears throat> And we categorize our experiences, right? Just like an accountant does in a ledger. For instance, there is a column in my mind that is called blame, right? And the moment troubles hit, right? The, the, we immediately lock into that column, right? The blame column. And we start blaming everybody else except us, right? We blame everybody else. Is that going to be your default behavior? 
Is that going to be the, the way we behave for the rest of our lives? There's another column called anger. And sometimes we, uh, we, when something happens, you know, we, 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 our default behavior is to get angry the moment we hit turbulence. Right? There's a column called self-pity. Right? When trouble comes, we, we feel sorry for ourselves. We throw a pity party. Uh, we isolate ourselves from everybody. Uh, there's also another column called bitterness. And, you know, counselors will tell you that bitter, the bitterness is the number one root problem for most people uh, coming to counseling today, all right? But there's also a column in your mind. Listen very carefully. It's called joy. Amen. And the moment you, things go haywire in your life, you've got to go straight to the joy column. You may not feel joy. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It is everything to do with your thinking. Amen. The moment you, you start to think right, I tell you this, your feelings will start to follow. You can trust me on this. So anytime you hit turbulence, take that experience and put it in the joy column and count it all joy. I tell you, if you will do this for 2021, things are going to be so different for your life. You're going to see a shift in your life because you're learning to mature and grow in the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. The next uh, thing is the word knowing, right? And knowing, this knowing comes from the assurance that if we respond in joy, huh? if we respond correctly, the fruit of our actions will follow, all right? In other words, God will set in motion His grace for us. It's like a doctor. When you see a doctor and he says, hey, you need surgery, it's very unlikely you're going to jump for joy and feel this warm glow in your heart, right? The moment you hear surgery, you know it's going to be inconvenient, painful, and discomforting, right? But you also know that if you voluntarily yield yourself through the process, uh, it, can, it will have a good result, right? And this knowing enables you to bear the pain, right? You can count it all joy because you know you're in good hands. You know you're in good hands. Papa has this, uh, he's got this, amen. He's got this, hallelujah, amen. And it says, let endurance have its perfect work. Now, imagine you're on the operating table, the surgeon walks in and the moment he puts on his gloves, you jump off and the table and you run off. The surgeon cannot operate on a moving body, all right? You've got to learn to relax, uh, rest, and trust. And trust because you're in good hands, amen? Uh, and let endurance take, take its course, right? You know, when you're going through a valley experience, uh, take time, my friends, you know? I, I know that some preachers tell you that when you're going through a valley experience, pick up your pace, right? But God one time spoke to my spiritual father, Brother Bailey, and says, when you're going through a valley experience, he said, take your time because there are many treasures to pick along the way that you can never pick unless you go through a trial. Come on, that's, that's great, amen. Got to learn how to be patient with these things, amen. You know, Job uh, some, spent something like six months in that intense trial that he was in until God delivered him. It wasn't just a matter of a few days, man. It was, it was a period of time and that he went through and God did something in Job and brought him to that amazing double portion, amen. So if you endure through the process, he will perfect his work within you, amen. Now, let me ask you another question. When you're alone, what is your default mode? When you're chilling, when you, do you automatically turn on the TV? Do you, uh, what, what do you do? You troll the net? Do you, uh, do you uh, spend all your time on Facebook? Do you watch R-rated movies? Do you watch pornography, right? Or you want to hang out with friends only, you know? Uh, if you're ever going to be spirit-filled, if you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, at some point, man, you've got to change that behavior. We've got to change the way we, we live our lives, amen? And one of the conditions of introspection 
is to be brutally honest with yourself. That's why this hyper grace message is so erroneous. It's so flawed because it's basically rooted in denial. It's rooted in denial. People are very quick to confess, I'm the righteousness of God. And they do this as a, as a defense mechanism because they don't want to expose themselves to the pain. Think about that, all right? And when you do that, you live in denial and you do not love the truth on the inward parts and and then you enter into false delusions that comes to people that don't love the truth, all right? A well-known hyper-grace preacher once said, the bottom line is that the Holy Spirit never convicts you of your sins. He never comes to point out your faults. Seriously? I mean, that is deception, man. That's deception. Now, let me explain something about sin and self because they're two very different things, right? Sin is, is a product of self, right? Uh, and no matter how hard you try and reform and change yourself, listen, you are going to fall back into the default mode, that old nature, until you, you crucify that old man. Amen? Until you, now, the blood of Jesus deals with our sin, but the cross deals with our sinfulness. Amen? It deals with the sin factory. If you don't close and shut the sin factory, you will con continually fall back into sin. And that's why the cross is so important. We take up the cross. Why? Because the crucifixion, we have to experience the crucifixion ourselves. We have to experience Galatians 2.20. It's no point talking about the cross. The cross, everybody wants to talk about the cross, but no one wants to carry it. No one wants to go all the way with Jesus. Hallelujah. Where we, our old nature is crucified. Amen. So the cross deals with the sin factory and you can't, unfortunately, you can't cast self out like you cast demons out from a person, right? The self is who you are, and that has to be crucified, and the new nature has to be manifested in our lives. Amen. And we often think, you know, man, I, I don't blatantly live in sin. I don't have any big sinful behavior. But that's not the issue. The issue is that the sin factor is still in an operation, that big fat ego, and that is what God wants to deal with, with the self. Amen. Now, I want to take this to a, a, a landing and um, look at Luke chapter 12 and verses 47 and 48, uh, second, the first part of verse 48. And uh, this, is, this is such a staggering verse. I, I don't know if you ever read this before and then thought to yourself, wow, what does this mean, man? You know, and, and watch this, right? It says, that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to the will, his will, shall be beaten woo, with many stripes, right? But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes, he shall be beaten with a few, right? Isn't this a, man, an interesting passage, right? That the servant who knew the master's will but did not prepare himself to do according to that will is beaten with many stripes. What does it mean to be beaten with many stripes? I have no idea, but I can tell you, I can assure you one thing. It spells pain, P-A-I-N, pain, right? If you know the will of God, what it is, and don't do it, there are serious punishments and repercussions, right? Verse 48, the servant who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten uh, with few, all right? So ignorance is not bliss. Come on, amen? So this whole business of the will of God is a serious one, right? And everything uh, depends on uh, whether we have uh, fulfilled or accomplished the will of God for our lives. And that's going to be the yardstick of a judgment, right? Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, as a warning for the charismatic church, really, and the Pentecostal church. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but the one who does the will of my Father, he says, uh, but did we not say, we, did we not cast out demons? Did we not heal the sick? Did we not do all these signs and wonders? Jesus said, I never knew you, right? There's serious stuff here, right? Your salvation can actually be negated 
or invalidated by constant sinful and negative and unrepentant behavior. Come on. Not everyone will enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because not everyone wants to do the will of God. Amen? So doing the will of God is the deciding factor, not only in our appraisal when we stand at the judgment seat, but also in matters of salvation. Now watch this. All right? 1 Thessalonians 5 and verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the express, explicit will of God for our lives. That's, there are two things I want to point out in this statement. Number one, the will of God is not merely focused on whether we should become a dentist, an engineer. Lord, what is the will of God for you? Do you want me to be a, a preacher? Whether I should buy this house or buy that house or uh, whether I should marry this person or mar marry that person. Is that those things important? Of course they are, all right? But as you read the Word of God, you will discover that the will of God is not centered on those things. What the will of God is often focused on is our disposition towards God, right? It's, it's our fellowship. It's the poise of our soul, which is, what, this, which is why introspection is so vital. You think about this. Each time the will of God is mentioned in Scripture for our lives has to do with behavior, has to do with our, the attitude of poise or poise about soul, right? Here's a couple of examples, very quickly, right? Because this is where introspection really is vital. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 70 to 21, uh, Paul explains to us, he says, uh, we, must not, we must understand what the will of God is, right? And then he describes the will of God in the next few verses. He says, we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, I'm telling you, 2021, we got to be filled with power and with the, with the Holy Ghost, man. Fullness is the goal for the Christian, amen. We got to be full, full of the Holy Ghost, amen. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, hallelujah. Making melody in your heart to God. Giving thanks always for all things and submitting to one another. In the, that's the will of God. That's the will of God for our lives, man. And nothing to do with whether I should be a doctor, an engineer, or an accountant, or a politician, or whatever. It has to do with the internal. It has to do with the inner kingdom, hallelujah, amen. All that has to do with the poise of our souls before God has to do with spiritual disciplines and spiritual exercises. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. I don't know if I can make this clearer. Man. I don't know. I, there's nothing ambiguous about this. God has given us a body, and we need to know how to possess this body in sanctification and honor and not abuse it, right? Now, if we have committed sin in this area, Repent. Stop. Don't go back to this behavior. I know we live in a very sexualized, very um, uh, sensual society, and I know a lot of people struggle. I know a lot of people struggle in this area, and, but I also know that God can give us victory. He can give us the grace, and His grace is more than sufficient for us. Repent if you have fallen in this area, and in 2021, I'm, I'm saying this to all of you in Cornerstone, everyone who's hearing this message today, make this commitment that you are not going to sin with your body in this area. You've got to keep your body pure. You've got to be morally upright. And if you have, like I said, if you have had failings in this area before, it does not disqualify you from the work of God. You, but you need to repent. You need to cry out to God and say, God, forgive me. Wash me in the blood. Cleanse me, Lord. I don't want to go back into sin. Lord, give me such a hatred for sin. Give me such a hatred for evil. Amen? Amen? Then verse 7 says that God has not called us to uncleanness, but holiness. If you reject this, then you have to answer to God. Right? Then look at the second thing. Right? Watch this. 
that rejoicing, praying without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, these are the acts of our will uh, that particularly in times of difficulty and weakness produces faith. Right? These are activities that draws the presence of God to us. Amen? As we, these are the things that if we keep our gaze focused on these things, then we draw the favor of heaven. And no matter how we feel or no matter what our physical senses or emotions are going through, if you will keep your gaze on the Holy Spirit, on the kingdom of God. So often people will ask me, Pastor Young, what is the will of God for my life? This is the express will of God in everything. Give thanks, man. Rejoice. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Come on. And I want you to enter into 2021 with this, this new default behavior. Get, if you get your devotional life right, man, I'm telling you, everything will fall in line in your life. If you start making correct decisions with regards to this, 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 this thing about your walk with God and ring fence, your devotional life with God, I'm telling you, 80% of your problems are solved right there and then. Amen. Your battles are going to be easier if you learn how to, to depend and trust God. This is not rocket science, folks. Our obedience to this only attracts the strength and the reality of heaven into our lives and in our circumstances. Rejoicing, praying, always hallelujah. I'll end with a quote by Elizabeth Elliot. She says, the will of God is not something you add to your life. Huh? It's a cause you choose. You either line up with the Son of God or you capitulate. That's an interesting word. Capitulate to the principle that governs the rest of the world, all right? So I want to pray for you today. And I, I believe that this word on introspection is a, is a vital word, that this year we, we commit ourselves to building up that most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, amen? We commit ourselves to building up that inner man, hallelujah. And it can only happen when we are true and honest with ourselves. You cannot approach God in denial, man. You cannot approach His presence, presence in duplicity. You cannot approach His presence when, when we are not free from the things that bind us. Amen. He wants us to be free. And I believe that that word freedom, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I believe it's an important process that God is going to bring cornerstone through. Hallelujah. To bring us to this level of, of freedom so that God can manifest His presence and glory. I also believe that 2021 is going to be a year where we're going to see the power of the spoken word being released in Cornerstone in a greater way. I, 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 this morning, I had an amazing word from a prophet uh, who wrote to me from, uh, from, from America. And I, what, a, what a powerful prophetic dream he had uh, about my life. And again, it has to do with the proclamation of the gospel. Amen? The proclamation of the gospel. And it had to do with John G. Lake. It's amazing, right? Every time I feel God is about to move in my life, he will say, read John G. Lake. Come on, man. It's like, I believe that, you know, that, that, that his, uh, the signs and wonders in his, in his ministry uh, probably uh, is where I think God is leading Cornerstone to. We're going to see awesome things happen in 2021. Amen. So I want to pray with you, but I want to plead with you. Please be honest with God. Amen. Please be real with him. You know, God loves people. You know, I think too many people wear masks to church. Actually, do, but you got to take up that spiritual mass and be honest with the Holy Spirit and be honest with God, and that's the way God deals with us. Amen. When we are honest with Him, when we are we we open our hearts and we rend our hearts before Him, that's when He can deal with the areas of our lives and set, bring us into true freedom. Amen. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone who's hearing this word today that I declare freedom, Lord, in Jesus' name, God. 
I pray that this year, Lord, there will be a commitment to being introspective in their lives, Lord that they're going to consider their step. They're going to count it all joy when they fall, fall into various trials. Woo-hoo! They're going to learn how to pray without ceasing, Lord. They're going to learn how to rejoice always, Lord. They're going to learn how to offer thanksgiving to God in all things, Lord. Not just in some things, not in the, just in the good things, but in all things, Lord. Anytime something happens in our life, that the default behavior, oh God, I thank you, Lord that something good is about to happen. Hallelujah. You're about to do something very significant in my life. And I just praise you, God. I, I just said I'm, I'm full of optimism and, and faith this morning, Lord. Believing, God, that something great and mighty is, is being prepared right now for Cornerstone Community Church. Lord, I bless this community of people and I pray the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon them. And everybody said amen. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.